Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Complete Sinner's Guide. My name is Tyler Fowler. I am your host, and today we have an awesome show lined up for you with my new friend, Dakota. So, before you, before we dig into this episode, go on over to www.completecentersguide.com. You can hit me up on my email at completecenter at gmail.com. And make sure you check out our Patreon. We still have no views. And the Patreon's been up for a month, guys. Come on. Just go over there and like stuff. You ain't got to send any money. Everything is free. Go like my Patreon so it can get off of that goose egg and go up at least to a number one. So, uh, how uh, Dakota, man... I just want to thank you, man, for coming on. Dakota is a busy, busy dude, and he's going to introduce himself here in just a second. What we've got going on today for you guys, though, uh, I've been uh, speaking with Dakota for a few, uh, well, we've only uh, discussed uh, a few times, um, but what we are going to do today um, is discuss with each other and dialogue with each other respectfully um, about salvation. And more specifically, can a Christian, can a born-again Christian, lose their salvation? We've done a show like this before. However, I've never, ever had a chance to do it with a Seventh-day Adventist. So, that, uh, that, uh, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and explain for those who are new to the show, maybe, um, don't maybe understand exactly what the Reformed perspective is on uh, perseverance of the saints, and I will. After that, I will give Dakota the floor. He will introduce himself, and basically give his uh, perspective as well. And then the rest of the time, we'll we're going to dialogue with each other, and <coughs> uh, questions, answers, and all that fun stuff for you guys out there. So to begin, um, <coughs> first, uh, so first and foremost, I would like to thank Dakota for taking the time out of his busy schedule to come on and discuss our differences. I've spoken with Dakota a few times now, and I must say, we agree a lot more than I honestly thought we were going to. However, what we will be doing today is something, or what we will be discussing today is something that we disagree on. I do not believe that a Christian, someone who has been born again by the Holy Spirit, John 3, 5, and 8, adopted by God, Romans 8, 15, and 23, placed their faith in Christ, is justified or declared righteous by God himself, Galatians 2.16, Titus 3.7 says, and so since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. God saved us and called us with a holy calling even before the foundation of the world. See 2 Timothy 1.9. I don't believe that that Christian, one that God has done so much work for, can or will lose his salvation. That has been given to him by God. For, he, for God does not start a good work that he doesn't plan on finishing. Philippians 1, 6. With that being said, I do not hold the once saved, always saved position that modern evangelical churches hold today. <laughs> you cannot, as Dr. James White and many other of the Reformed tradition say, punch your ticket to heaven and live how you want to, having a license to sin, so to say. No, 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 no. We are saved, past tense to some, future to others, to do good works. See Ephesians 2, 10, and many, many other places. God, who owes no no one anything except death and hell, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. 
sent his own son who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for every single person who would trust in him, and rose three days later. He now sits in heaven at the right hand of the Father, acting as our high priest and intercessor for those whose faith is in Christ. John 3, 16, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, John 17, and 20. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son in order that everyone believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life, believing a continuous action in the Greek text. Jesus himself likewise says that same thing three chapters later after feeding 5,000 people, they sought him because they were hungry. A perfect time to teach spiritual truth. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life, the food which the Son of Man will give you. For God the Father has put his seal of approval on this one, John 6, 27. So then they said to him, what must we do to accomplish the deeds God requires? Jesus replied, this is the deed God requires, notice the singularity, to believe in the one whom he has sent, John 6, 28 and 29. What does this have to do with perseverance of the saints? I'm sure Dakota's wondering, and as well as everyone else listening out there. As I said above, Jesus is a Christian's high priest. He intercedes for us, Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25. See also Hebrews chapter 5. In John 17, Jesus gives us what has traditionally been called his high priestly prayer. In conclusion of my opening statement, I would like to quote the entire chapter and let Jesus speak for himself on why, which is the most important reason one is saved. Not necessarily how, but what that means for the one whose faith is in Christ. These are Jesus' own words recorded faithfully by the Apostle John. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you, just as you have given him authority over all humanity so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We know from Matthew 11 that Jesus chooses those who know him like he knows the Father and the Father knows him. I glorified you on earth. <clears throat> John continues, or Jesus continues. I glorified you, Father, on earth by completing the work you gave me to do, namely his death or his life, death, and resurrection. And now, Father, glorify me at your side with the glory that I had with you before the world was created. I have revealed your name to the men you gave me out of the world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they understand that everything you have given me comes from you because I have given them the words you have given me. They accepted them and really understand that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Notice the language Jesus uses. Continuing, I am praying on behalf of them. I am not praying on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those you have given me, because they belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you, and everything you have belongs to me, and I have been glorified by them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Notice the next verse. Holy Father, Keep them safe in your name that you have given me so that they may be one just as we are one. Cause and effect. 
When I was with them, I kept them safe and watched over them in the, your name that you have given me. Not one of them was lost except the one destined. Notice the word destined for destruction. So that, effect, scripture could be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and I am saying these things in the world so that they may experience my joy completed in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world but that you keep them safe from the evil one. We know in 1 John that our faith is what overcomes the world. Set them apart in your truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And I set myself apart on their behalf so that you too may truly set apart. I am, the, I, I am not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony. Notice who Jesus prays for, the ones who believe through their testimony, that they will all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave to me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. When God the Father looks at us, us wretched sinners who have been justified freely by grace through faith in his Son, he looks at us as he looks at his Son. Jesus continues, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even if the world does not know you, I know you, and these men know that you sent me. I may known your name to them, and I will continue to make it known, so that the love that you have loved me with may, or the love that you have loved me with, may be in them, and I may be in them. Notice the last, <coughs> the last few words Jesus says, Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am. In conclusion, I ask, do we believe honestly that the Father has answered Jesus' prayer? And if he is not, then how in the world can Jesus be a successful intercessor for us if the Father doesn't even listen to the prayers and intercessions that the Son gives to him? Thank you very much. Dakota, she's yours, buddy. Thanks. All right, Tyler. Well, thank you so much, brother, for sharing your, uh, your views on um, salvation and um, the understanding of what happens, uh, you know, uh, how a sinner can maintain their salvation from your point of view. And um, I do appreciate you inviting me on the show. Um, and I want to give a shout out to our brother, Zach Avery. I know he was the one who kind of connected you and I together uh, to do this podcast. And so I do appreciate you inviting me on and making it, uh, making it available for me to come. Uh, however, I, I do I do obviously disagree with your point of view of, uh, as you refer to it, the perseverance of the saints, um, dealing with the idea of eternal security, as a lot of people would refer to it as in theological terms. Um, but before I get into that, I guess I'll tell the, the listeners a little bit about myself. Um, 
My name is Dakota Day. Um, I am a public speaker and evangelist with a ministry out of California called Amazing Facts. Uh, I am a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Um, I believe that uh, basically a lot of a lot of things different than what your uh, I guess you can say modern Christianity today would believe. I I believe a lot uh, of what the Bible teaches, no doubt, and a little bit differently than what a lot of people view it and look at it today. But uh, I do believe in Christ and Him crucified, and it is only by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that we have any hope today. And uh, it is it is uh, my purpose just to share what I believe the Bible says on this topic that we're dealing with on this subject today uh, regarding can a saved man choose to be lost, or can someone who is saved or, or born again, as you would call it, uh, can they choose to lose that salvation and, uh, and completely go away from God? And uh, I hold to the view that they can. They, they still have and can exercise their choice to fall away from the Lord. And uh, I would like to present my case now on why I believe that to be the case. Um, first of all, when you go through all that the Bible, you see several mentions in the Bible of God speaking of blotting out uh, people's name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, we see that in Revelation spoken of here in Revelation 3 and 5. And I'm reading from the King James Version Bible. It says, He that overcometh, Jesus says, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So, again, he's talking about how we must be overcomers, or if we are not, he says, I will blot out his name out of the book of life. So, if our name can be in the book of life and be blotted out of the book of life, if it's in the book of life, then we have life. We have salvation. First uh, John five twelve. you know, he that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. So if you have that deep relationship with Jesus, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. But if you choose to not follow God, or as Jesus puts it here in Revelation 3 and 5, if you choose to not overcome through the merits and the, uh, and the power of God, then your name will be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life, according to Jesus Christ himself in Revelation 3. Um, we see in Deuteronomy 29:20, it says here, The Lord will not spare him, but the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall, shall lie upon him, and all the Lord, and the Lord rather, shall blot his name from under heaven. So we see here, the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. So there's a, your name can be in heaven and name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and God is again saying that though your name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it can be blotted out. And so again, you can have that salvation, but the Bible makes it clear that your name can be blotted out. It can be changed. Your salvation can be changed and affected by the decisions that you make. Um, Exodus 32 and 33 uh, is another example of this. Moses is speaking with God on Mount Sinai, and he pleads that he would be the one who can... Um, basically be the, be the uh, I guess you can say, as, as a Jesus. He was going to be a, as a Savior for the people. Lord, don't kill them, but take me. Blot my name out of your book. And then God responds in Exodus 32, verse 33, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him I will blot out of my book. So again, God makes this very clear, that he can and will blot names out of his book uh, if they do not continue in him. And uh, we see again in Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 26, a very strong scripture here that very clearly, in my opinion, uh, really is a slam-dunk text. Uh, what I would also like to call smackdown truth. You know, you, you just it's just clear as glass. Notice what it says here in Hebrews 10, 26. This is, again, a King James Version. It says, for if we, now the we that Paul is writing to here is the church. 
he's writing to the saints, and he says, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remain there remains or remaineth in the King James Version no more sacrifice for sins. So according to the Bible here, if, if we sin willfully, after we have come to the knowledge of the of Christ Jesus our Lord, there remains no more sacrifice for our sins. In other words, there needs to be repentance. There needs to be confession of sin. Uh, we see again in Hebrews chapter six, verses four through six. Uh, God makes a very clear statement here. He says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. So these are people who, again, were enlightened by the truth. They tasted of the heavenly gift. They were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. He says, And have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, so they can fall away, those that have tasted of the heavenly gift, those that have partaken of the Holy Ghost, if they shall fall away, he says, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put to him an open chain. So it's very clear from this text as well that we can fall away. We can uh, be in the light of God's word, be in the light of the knowledge of God and his truth, and be in the knowledge of his character, just as Satan was from the very beginning, and choose to fall away from God and choose to reject him and his sovereignty as well as his it's his love and compassion. Um, I'm going again to Romans chapter 11. Uh, we're going to go to verse 22. Notice what it says here. It says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. So it's a conditional here. Salvation, I believe, 100% to be a conditional uh, situation. Salvation is the gift of God. But I believe that the gift of God is not forced upon any, any one person, that they must accept that salvation because it is a gift, and God doesn't force his gifts upon anyone. So it says very clearly here that um, if you do not continue in his goodness, you shall be cut off. So, again, this would be uh, the concept of faith and works going hand in hand. If you have faith in Jesus, then you should act like you have faith in Jesus, and your works should show that you have faith in Jesus. Um, another, what I would say, very clear slam dunk text here is in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. It says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So these are people that have escaped the pollutions of the world. They escaped the, the traditionalistic worldliness of the world itself, the carnality and the frivolity of the world. If they've escaped all that, it says, and they are again entangled therein and are overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. For it had been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn away from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is, return, is turned uh, to his vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So very clearly from this text again we see that we can turn away after escaping the pollutions of the world, after coming to a knowledge, the Scripture says here, of the Lord and Savior Jesus, coming to know him. And we know that eternal life and salvation comes by knowing Jesus. This is John 17 and 3. It says, this is life eternal, Jesus says, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So salvation, according to the Bible, according to Jesus himself and his prayer to the Father, comes by having a deep and meaningful and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So these are people that, again, had a knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus. 
and yet they fall away. They, they went back into the worldliness. They went back into the, to the ways of the world, like, a, like he says here, like a dog returned to his vomit again. So I think it's very clear, again, you can have someone who is saved and in a saving relationship with Christ, who have escaped the pollutions of the world, as it says here, but they can be turned again away from God and back into a state of what we would call a blasphemy, a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit even, perhaps, which is the unforgivable sin. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 is another example of how someone can, who is saved or in a saving relationship and has the faith of Christ also be turned away. Notice what it says here, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, we don't get much more latter times than what we're living in now, but it says that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So he's talking about the saints here. Every one of these letters, Paul is writing to the saints. This one he's writing to Timothy, which is a saint who was a very, um, I guess you can say a very devoted saint uh, of, of the Lord, no doubt. And he makes it very clear that in the latter times, some are going to depart from the faith. He's speaking of the faith that we have in Jesus and turning away and leaving Jesus altogether. We see in Revelation 2, speaking to the, church, the seven churches of Asia Minor, uh, specifically, Christ says this in Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. So these are people that have fallen in love with Jesus. He was their groom. We are his bride, as, as Paul mentioned many times. But then they've left the first love. They've abandoned, just as in the book of Hosea, God lays out very clearly, Israel abandoned him. They went off and fornicated and, and committed adultery against him. They've left their first love. So he says this. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else, now there, here comes the judgment, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except you repent. So again, God is telling this to Christians. He's telling this to the church. He's telling this to believers who have already had this born again, already had this salvation experience. He's telling them, listen, you have, you've fallen in love with me but now you've left me. He makes it very clear here that they need to repent. Uh, And I notice what it says here in in this text. He says that that he will remove, if they do not repent, he will remove the candlestick out of its place. When you go in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, 105, you'll read about how the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And you read about how, you know, God, in other words, he would stop using this church. He would stop using this people to proclaim his truth. He's going to remove the light. He's going to remove his word, the candlestick from them, and he would raise up someone else to do the job that he's called them to do. Um, we see again here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, notice what it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So again, he's saying, you are saved if, you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So he's saying that we can worship God in vain, and even Jesus spoke of that in Mark chapter 7. You can read about him telling the scribes and the Pharisees that in vain they did worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So that's a scary thing to ponder and to think about, that God uh, would say that we can spend our entire lives worshiping him, but it could be vain worship. In other words, worship that is not accepted. It would be like a, a form of Nadab and Abihu in the Old Testament. These men, you know, uh, basically culminated a strange fire 
God had told them to build the fire a very specific way, and these men thought that they could build the fire any old way that they wanted to build the fire, and we know the end of their story. They both were di- both died uh, by the hand of God. So God wants us to worship Him, and He wants us to understand that there is a specific way that we should understand His Word and accept His truth. And so this is why I think it's a very important topic that we're dealing with. Um, and so... Let's see, there's a few other scriptures here I'd like to bring out, and then uh, we can kind of discuss, and there's some other scriptures here I know that we'll get to eventually. Second um, Peter, uh, chapter 3, I'm sorry, no, John chapter 15, Jesus here is describing, I believe, very beautifully uh, the text regarding uh, salvation and how salvation works out, how, it, how the plan of salvation is to work. And in John 15, he refers to himself as the vine and us as the branches. He says in verse 2 here of John chapter 15, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And if a man abide not in me, this is verse 6, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So the good news about salvation is that, yes, every soul can have salvation as long as they abide in Jesus Christ and stay in him. That word in the original means to stay in the original uh, Greek there. When it says abide, it means to stay in Jesus. So if we hey, Dakota, I don't, I, hey, Dakota, I don't want to interrupt, but you cut out for about 30, uh, well, maybe about 20 seconds um, just just now recently. Um, so I want to oh, give you time to repeat what you said um, so, so you don't get cut out. Okay, yeah. So did you hear me talk about John 15? Uh, you started talking about John 15, about abiding in Christ, and then I think okay, yeah. out there. Gotcha. I appreciate you catching that, Tyler. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, in John 15, Jesus re- refers basically to um, himself as the vine and us as the branches. And um, we see in verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So when we abide in Jesus, we will have the fruit of the Spirit that Galatians spoke of there. And it says in verse 6, though, if any man abide not in me, so this is someone who's not abiding in Jesus, uh, that, that would separate themselves from Christ, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So he's making a very clear statement of how salvation works. If we abide in Jesus, then Jesus will abide in us, and therefore salvation and the work of God can be completed in us. But if we separate ourselves from Christ, as well, we do have the right to do that. God has not taken away our free will in any way, um, then we will not have salvation. Um, and I think here in Ezekiel 18, I'll kind of end it with this one, and then we'll can, we can discuss whatever you'd like here, Tyler. Um, I think this last one would kind of solidify the point that I'm making, um, kind of summing it up here. Ezekiel 18, verse 24. says, But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity... So this is a righteous man but he's going to turn away from righteousness, and he commits iniquity, which is sin. And he does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does. Shall he live? The question is given, shall this man live? And it says, all his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespasses that he has trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them, that is, in his sin, shall he die. So again, if, if someone who has accepted Christ and they have had that experience, as Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 had talked about. They have accepted him. They have had that relationship with Jesus. They have had that, that born-again experience where they, they wanted to surrender to him, and they've 
had that time with Jesus where he's working that transformative work in their life, they are not giving over their will completely in the sense that they don't have any authority over their will. The, the Bible makes it very clear that these men who are doing righteous works, who are, who are in righteousness, if they turn away and commit iniquity and follow after the abominations of the wicked, then they can uh, and will lose their salvation, and they will die, as the Bible says here in verse 24, in their sin. So um, I think that's kind of the position I'm coming from. The good news that I believe is that anyone, I believe, that calls upon the name of the Lord, as the Bible says, uh, can be saved and will be saved according to the promise that Christ has, as long as they keep their faith established in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. However, again, if they think that they can go off living any way that they want and, and not staying and abiding in Jesus, and they think that they're going to make it to heaven, uh, the Bible has another thing to say about that, that that, that then is where they um, basically put themselves under condemnation and uh, would be in danger of the judgment. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Dakota. Uh, I, I think um, we have uh, a guest uh, wanting to uh, jump in and maybe ask a question or two. I would ask, though, um, uh, Noah, if you can hear me. I know it's your dad uh, that wants to jump in. Uh, I, I know I sent you that text. Um, let, If you wouldn't mind, we're going to wrap up at, well, the the program stops at 7, or, or I'm sorry, 537 uh, and then 33 seconds at that, and it's, uh, it's 1906 here. So let's... Uh, let me and Dakota discuss a little bit be uh, a little bit here. I, I got some uh, questions for him. I'm sure he's got some for me as well. Um, and then how about within like the last maybe 10, eight minutes, uh, if you guys got questions uh, or yeah, let's do 10 minutes since we don't have very long. Um, if you guys have questions for either one of us, if that's cool. Um, but uh, Dakota, uh, I, I, I want to start here with um, with what you just uh, recently said. Well, it's, uh, fresh in our ears you said that you that er, everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved correct well it's quoting the scripture when it says anyone that it calls upon the name of the lord they shall be saved or they can be saved there in the bible we know that uh by faith if we put our faith in jesus christ he is the only way to salvation so yes anyone that puts their faith in him and calls upon him as lord and savior uh he will promise to work out their salvation and uh be the author and the finisher of their faith absolutely now, who would be ultimately responsible if the one fell away? Would it be up to the person, or would uh, would that be up to God at that point? I'm sorry, brother. Could you repeat that? It kind of cut out there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll actually reward it uh, a little bit. You you said that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but but then you said can be saved. Is someone saved in, in a in a saving sense? I guess right. Is someone truly saved? Well, or, I guess let me ask you this. What do you mean by saved? Yeah, so salvation, I believe, is the work of a lifetime. It's not something in the sense that happens in one moment or one one singular prayer or one singular time in the sense that you're saved and that's it just because you said one prayer. You know, some people get the wrong idea of salvation. They think it's a one-time thing. Uh, I think that the proper way to describe salvation is Luke 9 and 23. When Jesus says, if any man will come after me, in other words, you want to follow Jesus. He's the way, right? He's the way to eternal life. If any man will come after me, he says, let him deny himself, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done, as Jesus' example was. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him. So salvation comes by, again, you following Jesus and, and accepting him as a Lord and Savior, uh, letting him sit on the throne of your heart. 
Um, and so that, that's very important that we have to understand that, I believe, as believers or Christians, that we, we as, as in a sense, God does not save us based on something that we do, but something that we, what we do, what we don't do can cause our salvation to be lost in a sense that if we do not accept the salvation, we do not accept what Christ has offered us, then yeah, we can uh, not take advantage of the, of the payment that Christ has given for us on the cross, and that is the payment of his blood on Calvary. If we don't accept that, then we can't expect it to automatically just be, um, you know, allotted to us as a payment. We have to accept that payment. I quoted Jesus in his high priestly prayer as saying, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And we know that he's going back to the Father in heaven at this point uh, so that they can see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Um, and, and a few verses up, he said that only one was lost, and that was because that one Judas was uh, destined um, to destruction to fulfill Scripture. Is there any others that Jesus will lose that the Father has given him? Well, I, I believe a perfect example of, of what you're asking, I think Judas is a perfect example of that, you know, that Judas was chosen by uh, God. Judas was a man who was following Jesus for three and a half years. He was a man who went out with the 12. He went out with the 70. He worked miracles. He cast out demons. They did all of these wonderful miracles and all these wonderful works. But yet Judas himself uh, chose and exercised his free will of choice to betray uh, the Son of Man, or betrayed Jesus Christ himself. So I believe that's a perfect example of answering your question um, in and of itself. But wasn't Judas destined to be, uh, to be lost? According well, this to is where I, I, I would disagree with Calvinism. I don't believe that Judas was predestined to be lost. I believe that God, uh, the Bible teaches us, and uh, it's actually, actually in Ezekiel 33. Uh, I'm going to go there real quickly in my Bible. Ezekiel chapter 33 uh, 33, and I'm going to go to verse, let's see, I'm sorry, it's not Ezekiel. Well, r r while you're thinking, um, what, what does the, you're using the King James, right? Yeah. What does Peter the King 39, James, I'm sorry. Second Peter 3, 9. Yeah, Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all, that word all, I think it means all, all should come to repentance. So he's not willing that any should perish. I don't think that God made anyone to be lost or made anyone to perish. He made us all and predestined us all, I believe, to be saved. But that decision is our decision to make. Okay, um, I guess two questions, then I'll ask one at a time. Um, the word destined, they, I use the NET, uh, the New English Translation, it has destined there. How does the King James uh, translate that, since I was asking about John 17, specifically? Are you asking me how the King James trans translates that? Yeah, yeah, the NET has destined. Um, I can pull up the verse. Uh, what, what? I kind of copied and pasted it. In. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it, John 17, uh, the end... Um, uh, hold on, let me find it real quick. Uh, I'm sorry, I should have had it pulled up. We're wasting time. Uh, let's see. 
Father. Don't you just hate how you're looking for something that you have and you can't find it? <laughs> oh, here we go. I know what here you mean, go. brother. Uh, John, uh, John 17, 13. But now I'm coming to you. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. John 17, 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, uh, which you've given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction so that the scripture uh, might be fulfilled. The, we, we know that Judas was, or was prophesied, um, actually, in the Old Testament. Uh, not by name, but there was someone who was prophesied 30 pieces of silver um, to betray. Therefore, um, could could sure. could Judas have used his free will to th so that scripture would be unfulfilled at that point? Well, yeah, I, I think that I think that there's a difference, and I think when it comes to predestination, and I know that's not really what we're studying, but you brought it up, so I'll I'll answer the question. I think that there's a difference between. God predestining people, and God already foreknowing what's going to happen. So he tells us what's going to happen before it happens, but he still gives us the free will of exercising our choice. In other words, you know, God knows everything I'm going to do tomorrow and everything that's going to happen in the future for all of us. He already knows that, and if he wrote it down somewhere in a book, you know, he wrote it down because he knows that that's exactly what's going to happen, but he doesn't make things function and, and and I guess you can say turn so that I will do exactly what he wrote that I would do. He's just, he already knows what I'm going to do. And I think that was the, the way for Judas. He, he, he already foreknew that Judas was going to do what he did. So he just told everyone that, hey, I'm going to be betrayed. The, the, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. And in writing that, I think that, that validates the, the reality that there is a God and that we can trust the Bible because God already knew that that was going to happen. But to say that God created Judas to be lost, I think that would be just some kind of sick, sadistic God to do something like that, to create someone to be lost. And that's just my personal view, and it may shock the listeners, uh, but that's just my personal view. I, I don't know that I could ever believe in a God like that. No, I, d I definitely don't hold to equal ultimacy, which is what you're describing, that God predestined people to go to heaven and predestined people to go to hell, like if they were in a state of innocence or something, and God said, no, you go to heaven and you're going to go to hell just because I want to. No, I, we the world is condemned already, and God chose out of that to, um, you know, I, I would hold to what's called the infralapsarian view, uh, that God chose to create people uh, and then chose to declare the fall. Out of that fall, the world being condemned, he chose to save a few um, but, but, but regardless, uh, Hebrews 10, you said it was clear as glass that those, oh, yeah. uh, people who fall away. Uh, let me ask, uh, uh, let me, oh boy, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Hebrews, uh, 10 39, it seems clear as glass to me as well that it says, but we are not of among those who shrink back and, and thus perish, but are among those who have faith and preserved their souls since this we're talking about perseverance of the saints and and preservation would be the key aspect of that do you not see if faith is also a gift and romans uh, i'm sorry hebrews 10 39 says we are not among those who shrink back 38 says but my righteous one will live by faith and if he shrinks back i take no pleasure in him but we're not of those who shrink back and thus perish right so if faith is a gift given by god could what how is this and if it's by their faith, and their and they persevere their souls, how is that not saying that? How do you not see that as well? 
Well, let me ask you this, because I mean, I know you keep bringing up predestination, and I just want to make sure I understand you. Do you believe that God gives us free will? Like, in other words, do you believe that all the decisions that you made, that you made those decisions, or do you believe that God made those decisions in you? No, we make choices daily. I mean, but so whenever it comes to, oh, we're getting way off topic, but j- just, a, just a quick explanation. Whenever I mean predestination, I'm talking about election unto salvation, right? Uh, we see it. Second, Second Thessalonians 2.13 is a beautiful, beautiful um, picture of that. Uh, before the foundation of the world, we, we were predestined. Romans 8, 29, and 30, for those whom he foreknew, he had that intimate relationship with those he predestined to be conformed to the image of a son. The son, sure, or, yeah. to be conformed into the image, th- this happens in time past, time and eternity, before the foundations of the world, to be, pre- or to be conformed to the image of a son is for those who are sinners who have been ta- who have been foreknown and predestined they were called the same people who were called were justified just as if i've never sinned just as if i've always been righteous those whom were justified were also glorified paul lays out a beautiful picture of god's work in salvation in romans uh in romans and second thessalonians amongst many other places but but again we're we're talking about perseverance of the saints and it, I, I, Hebrews 10 doesn't say anything about predestination. It says in 38, um, but my righteous one, and I'm reading from the uh, NET again. Uh, I don't know how the King James translates it, but it says, my righteous one will live by faith, and if, condition, he shrinks back, I take no pleasure in him. And Paul answers that. But we, who is the we of Hebrews? Sure, those yeah, who've been justified by faith. We are not, um, well, I would say that there's wheat and tares in the church, and you know, but, but regardless, well, but it says we are not of the, among those who shrink back. Yeah, but verse 26, though, uh, d- dealing with that subject of the but, we, you know, we're, I, I believe that Paul's writing to the believers here. He's not writing to non-believers, because non-believers could care less to read Paul's writing. Right, absolutely. Uh, so he, Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 26, notice what he says, for if we, so he's writing to the believers, these are, these are people that are born again. These are people that have had a relationship with Jesus. These are the Hebrews he's writing to, right? For if we sin willfully, that is a willful sin. After that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for, for sins. So again, I, I think that this is where this would involve repentance. In other words, you can fall away from your salvation after you have received the knowledge of the truth. In other words, the blood of Jesus is not going to cover the sins of someone who is in willful disobedience to God. Um, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible where someone can, you know, like I, you quoted Brother James White earlier, that you know they can punch some card and say that, well, I'm going to continue in my ways. I, most of my good, well-meaning Baptist brothers and sisters that I've met, uh, especially in the Southern Baptist realm, they, uh, they believe very strongly that, you know, they can sin, uh, you know, throughout the rest of their life and commit any sin that they want willfully or not willfully, and that they're going to be heaven-bound because they said some prayer back in 1974 to Billy Graham crusade. Uh, you know, and I, I just don't see no. that to be biblical, that if we have no. accepted Christ, then we should act like mm-hmm. that in our, in our walk, in our talk, and in our life. You know, that Jesus said, if you love me, in John 14, 15, you will obey me and keep my commandments. And so I think that would right. be the life of a believer, that um, to say that I'm saved and I can't lose that salvation by anything that I do, um, I, I just don't. I wouldn't subscribe to that. And I know that you you said that you know you wouldn't subscribe to some of that extremism of eternal security uh, yourself. But 
what I'm no. what I'm trying to understand is that how does how does predestination or you know Calvinism how does that differ from the eternal security of the Southern Baptist Church? Well, I am Southern Baptist. Uh, my my church is actually Southern Baptist affiliated. Is it really? Okay, I didn't know that, bro. I, it, it is, uh, Grayson. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're fine. I, I I'm actually proud uh, to be part of that local church. I, I'll say that. Gotcha. Uh, there's a lot of craziness that's different. going on in the SBC. Yeah, yeah. There there's a there's a lot of craziness going on in the SBC uh, these days. But um, but no. So here here's where I would distinguish. I would distinguish between. I would agree with you, uh, as I stated in my opening statement. We cannot just punch our ticket to heaven and go and sin. I mean, for real, shall we sin so that grace may abound? God forbid, right? The most emphatic no in the New Testament, he says right there, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? God forbid it, right? Amen. And so what, Amen. I, so what I'm saying is, is that even though, and you said, it is impossible for those who willfully sin. My question would be, do you willfully sin? Because I do. And if it's impossible for me to get back on track, so to say, according to Hebrews 10, like it is impossible, same word there, for God to lie, that mm -hmm. means the minute I willfully sin, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, it's, it's over with at that point. There is no hope left. But yet, my hope is not what's in me and what I do. That's the difference. See what I'm saying? My hope sure. is in Jesus and him crucified. I, Paul says, whenever Christ rose, I rose with him. Christ represents us. He's our advocate, right? For the, the, same, the same John, right, who wrote, if he doesn't abide in me, I will not abide in him, right? He wrote the same thing. He said, if, uh, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate, a lawyer, who is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I believe, yeah. whatever he says, not for our sins, but the whole world, I believe John is saying he's not just for uh, me and you guys, but all the churches, all of these people whom God foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and, glor and will glorify, Paul's so certain of it that he uses that, the, the, the aorist tense of the word, you know, it, it's just, it's beautiful to me. And, and it, it it's almost seems like whenever you say these things, like you can, uh, you know, we can be saved one day and then the next day, I, I don't know. Say, I, I guess my last question um, before, uh, before I, I guess, you know, it, we're kind of wrapping up a little bit. And I want to give, uh, uh, I, I hate an hour because it goes by so quick, but I want to give uh, I know, a right? chance to, an to answer your question. Um, I guess I, I can say I'm confident in my in in my salvation, the the one that God has given me. Because here's the thing, okay, J to kind of go back to the SBC real quick, James, right? James, faith without works is dead, right? He says right before this, he says, so, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but he says something like, "Can that faith?" The, the one he gives a description if your if your brother or sister comes hungry and you don't feed him you don't hold, you say yep go on have a good day be blessed be wealthy whatever and you don't give him nothing how can that faith a faith that's not in Christ a profession maybe but it's not faith how can that faith that kind of faith save a man it can't it can't there's why because there is no love. You brought up uh, John saying that the, 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 if we obey his commandments, John describes himself, and I was trying to look it up, but I can't find it. It's in 1 John, I think 4, maybe 5. But he said, this is his commandment, to believe 
in the one Jesus Christ and love, right? And love is so much more than just a checklist. It's doing what I would want done to me, right? It's loving my neighbor sure, yeah. as I would Golden love myself. Wolf. And yes, absolutely. And if that <laughs> doesn't accompany, you're already safe. You're already safe. Romans 5, 5 1. Therefore, having been justified, past tense, by faith, by, by the blood of Christ, we have peace. We have shalom with God. How can we have shalom if we can just lose it the next day, brother? Well, well, I, I would like to, and I, I hear you, brother. I, I see your, I see your, your, um, your struggle with understanding my position. But you know, you asked me before we did this podcast. You know, what what would it take to convince you? And I don't know if you remember my response, but I said you would have to explain to me all of these texts that I give you, yeah, and be able to do an adequate explanation. And I know we don't have time now on the podcast um, to to do that, but. You know, like Hebrews. 10, I think I got John ten or Hebrews ten. Um, <laughs> if we receive, you know, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Hebrews okay. six four through six. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let me let me respond. Let me respond to that real quick. Do you okay, sin willfully? Do you sin willfully? You see, but that's not the thing, though. What does the scripture mean? Uh, so that, you're, you're, that's you're, what you're I'm wanting to you, turn it towards me, though, and you're wanting to say, "Well, what about you? Do you, you sin willfully?" My, of course, we sin brother, willfully. Okay, so does that mean that there remains a sacrifice that that does not remain a sacrifice for sins for you when you sin willfully? Absolutely, I, I have to go to the I have to go back to the cross and follow the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me and cleanse me of this sin. First John one and nine. If we confess our sins, it's conditional. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that's conditional. If I don't confess my sins and I don't say, Hey, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me and cleanse me of this. Then, and I can then, and I think it's okay to live in that sin and continue in that sin. Then, I, again, I'm not drawing closer to Jesus. I'm going further away from Christ because the more I sin, the more I willfully do it, the easier it is for me to continue in that sin. But when I fall at the foot of the cross and I look at the love that God has toward me on Calvary, man, I, I hate that sin. I don't want to do that again. And that wants to draw me closer to Christ and further away from my sin and the sinful ways of the world. So I, I think that's the difference between someone who's saved and someone who's lost. Noah, I think I, I think I saw, heard somebody that maybe wanted to jump in, um, or was I just hearing things? Okay, I guess I was just hearing things. Um, so okay, what? How? Okay, we've got ten minutes. How? Let's focus on Hebrews ten because that's um, where we're at. Or actually, I'm sorry. I don't even have Hebrews ten pulled up anymore. Hebrews well, six. What was the verse that you quoted? I would, from Hebrews I would 6? like to hear your your explanation from Hebrews ten twenty six, okay. a biblical explanation, and Hebrews six oh. verses four through six. Okay, one second, real quick. Hebrews six four through six. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, become partakers of the Holy Spirit tasted the good word of God and the miracles of the coming age, and then, having committed apostasy, to renew him again to repentance, since they are crucifying the Son of God for themselves all over again and holding him up to contempt. For the ground that has soaked up the rain that frequently falls on it and yields veg useful vegetation for those who tend it receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles... 
it is useless and about to be cursed. Its fate is to be burned. Here's my answer. Same one as Paul's. But in your case, dear friends, even though we speak like this, we are convinced of better things relating to salvation. He's not talking about them. He's talking about people who commit apostasy like Judas. Judas was with the disciples. He saw Jesus' miracles. He, he, he was even the money changer, right? And yet, uh, to fulfill Scripture, he was lost. That was it. Now, these oh. people who have committed apostasy, why, according to John, why did they le- go out from us? Because they were never of us. You brought up Matthew uh, Matthew seven on on your conference. Um, Lord, m- many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do so many good things in your name and all these things in your name? And I will say to them, Depart from me, for I never not I knew you, and then I disowned you, and then I knew you, and then I disowned you again. I never knew you, even though they were doing what they were doing wasn't sin. They were casting out demons in Jesus' name. They were doing many miracles in Jesus' name. It's it's almost mind blowing that Jesus would you know get rid of them, get away from me. He says, mm-hmm. why? Because but, they but he, were seeking to be justified by their works. So so, but but this one here in Hebrews six is is talking about something different here. It's not talking about works approach to salvation. Hebrews six is talking about someone, as it says here in verse four, who has been partakers of the Holy Ghost. This is someone who has received the Holy Spirit, which means if they've received the Holy Spirit, they would have had they would have had not only gifts of the Spirit, they would have had the fruit of the Spirit my, and have tasted friend, the Word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they have crucified themselves to the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. I mean, for, I, mean I, I don't see how we can read this any other way than to understand that there is, it is possible— for someone who has received the Holy Ghost, who, who has had that saving relationship with Christ, and yet mm-hmm. for, to, to read it any other way, to think that, well, that person can never fall away, that person can never turn away from God and never lose their salvation, I think the Scripture makes it very clear that they can. Mark, um, and so that's just my, that's my conviction. I mean, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, that uh, I have it all figured out, not at all, but I believe that that's my conviction based on um, so you know, what I've read in I, the Scriptures I've delivered. <clears throat> Right. I w- I, so I, real quick, two things. Um, I, I've heard you do this twice now, and, and I just pointed out um, for your benefit and, and for my listeners as well and for edification, I've heard you do this twice now in Revelation and now just here. You have said something that the text does not say. You said in Revelation that it says you can, your name will be blotted out if uh, I forget the, uh, the context exactly. And it never says that. He says, I will not blot your name. He never says anything about blotting their name out. He says, I won't do it, right? And now, just now, he says, or you said that they received the Holy Spirit. That's not what the text says, my friend. Uh, and, and I say this with respect and gentleness and love because I want you to see this. It says, become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Was, can someone be a partaker of the Holy Spirit, witness what the Holy Spirit is doing? Jesus was indwelt with the Holy Spirit. I believe, and, and, and it's clear, I mean, it is crystal, that verse 9 of this text, he says, but in your case, dear friends, even though we speak like this, we are convinced of better things. What? Okay, so here's my answer. You write the very next verse, you, st- you stopped at 6, let's go to 7. It says, for the ground that has soaked up the rain, that frequently falls on it, and yields useful vegetation for those who tend it... Ah, I hate that noise. We're going to have to do a part two, man. That was it. And that time.
time was cut off, but that's okay. <sighs> you guys have a good one. God bless. I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. Check out the www.complececenters.com, and we will see you next time. <sighs> Ready?